Support for 4 Thomas Matters Radio is provided by Omega Processing Solutions. As one of the nation's leading providers of electronic payment solutions, Omega can process your credit and debit card transactions faster, more securely, and less expensively than any other company without ever sacrificing service and award-winning support. Call them today in Fort Thomas, Kentucky, 866-888-9724, 866-888-9724. That's Omega Processing Solutions, unsurpassed value, unmatched support. I don't know if anybody knows this, but she was voted teacher's pet award in the eighth grade, and she took that with a lot of pride and sincerity, because she was a kid that didn't seek anyone's attention other than to better herself or to better someone else. So I wanted to give you a little taste of what it was like to be with Michelle. I will remember something that she did every day. Before she left my classroom, she would turn and say thank you to me. For the first, the first time she did that, I asked her for what? And I was so taken back by the gesture. She said, for teaching me today, of course. She was thanking me for teaching her. And every day she thanked me, good days and bad days, she thanked me. One day she forgot and came running back into the room and yelled, I forgot, thanks. That was the voice of Lisa Berkeley. She was talking about Michelle Chalk. Michelle passed away on August 1st of this year when she was in the backyard of her friend's house in Fort Thomas, sitting on a hammock in the backyard of the house with another friend, and one of the trees that was connected to a hammock collapsed on her. It was devastating. It was devastating for her friends and her family and the schools and the community. It has affected a lot of people, but no more than her parents, Keith and Patty. Michelle was going to be a freshman this year at Highlands High School. She loved to dance. She began dancing at age three at Dance Express in Fort Thomas. Michelle danced with the Cincinnati Ballet, performing in the Nutcracker for four years. She also sang in the Allstate Music Choir and performed in four Highlands musicals. She was a member of Girl Power, a female leadership program that mentored middle school girls. Michelle was a member of the student council. On Fridays, Michelle went to school early and gave all the students coming through the doors high fives. The vice principal of Highlands Middle School loved the idea so much, soon Friday became High Five Friday. Michelle loved participating in the art, leadership, and language quest programs with her peers and also enjoyed tutoring younger students at Homework Huddle. She knew the importance of serving God and was an altar server and vacation Bible school volunteer at St. Catherine of Siena Parish. When Michelle passed away, it affected Fort Thomas. But Fort Thomas did what it does. It rallied. There are ribbons everywhere in memory of Michelle Chalk, even today, as we record this on August 28th. Meal trains were set up. The chalks were inundated with food. They literally stuffed the refrigerator, and organizers had to throw up the white flag. That meal train is back on, by the way. A memorial fund has been set up. Candlelight vigils were held. Michelle Chalk 
was a special person. To give more perspective on this, Michelle's father, Keith, wanted to speak with Fort Thomas Matters. Here he is. So we have Keith Chalk here today. Keith Chalk is Michelle Chalk's father. Uh, he is married to Patty. Uh, her maiden name is Bauman. And they, he has three children along with Michelle Thomas, who is 19 at NKU, and Robert, who is 12, and he is a seventh grader at Highlands Middle School. Keith, so this has been uh, an obviously an emotional journey, one that you've you've taken before, and we'll talk about that later with Patty. Tell me why you felt. Tell me why you're here. How how do we get here and 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 to podcast about this today? Um, well, it's been almost four weeks since Michelle died, and initially when. When we got the news, um, when the police officers came to our house, um, when we saw her in the hospital, um, that first 24 hours, um, Patty and I and our immediate families grieved. But when, beyond that first 24 hours, we started to see that there was more people grieving around us. That first uh, Wednesday night uh, at St. Catherine for the rosary and the mass, and then followed by the vigil at the um, at the gymnasium at the high school gymnasium, we saw that an entire community was grieving with us. And we saw the news, and we saw how Fort Thomas Matters um, was um, covering it and sharing information with the community. Um, and when I reached out to Mark, I reached out to you, I, um, and I told you I, re I really appreciate the respect um, that you were covering Michelle's story. And as time went on, I reached out to you later and I thought, this might be a good conversation that we could share with the community. And so after um, going back and forth and after time, uh, being able to have enough composure to have this conversation, um, that's what brought us here today. So you, when you and I were talking, and generally throughout the course of Fort Thomas Matters, you know, you, you, I have these interactions with community members, and you were one that's always been, you know, I, I'd talk to you via email probably every six months or so, um, yeah. just about you know, things that are going on in the community. So yeah. we have this uh, relationship, as I do with most mm -hmm. people in, in the community, but obviously these types of things as a community journalist, it's so difficult for me to um, walk that line of, you know, this is something that has affected a lot of people. Mm -hmm. This is something that um, is an awful tragedy that it involves a, a, a loved member of the community. And, and obviously nobody knows that more than you. But you talked about going from the grieving stage and then something happened on that Wednesday night. There was a turning point for you. Um, talk about what happened, what you saw, and, and, and how that kind of turned things. Um, that's, thanks. Um... 
And when I entered in St. Catherine's for the rosary and I saw the number of people and I, um, they were there to basically wrap us in love. And I expected that. And then we had the mass and it, it was, it was that I expected. When, um, Patty went home, um, she had, she was tired and I journeyed to the, the gymnasium for the vigil uh, with the, um, the students and the teachers and the faculty at uh, the Highlands um, um, High School uh, Gymnasium. And it was, pre it was a good presentation of music, uh, started off music, and I, I believe was put on by the uh, United Methodist Church, um, a group there. And I saw familiar faces come in, and they started to fill the, the, the stands. And I thought I was there to honor Michelle, to be a present and to experience what other people wanted to do for Michelle. And it got to a point where they, um, they set up two whiteboard easels and they had some tables with some post-it notes. And it got to a point where they invited the students to write down a message and put it on the whiteboard. And I thought I was going to see some like a timid flow of students, you know, some hesitation. But I was overwhelmed. I saw students start to pour out of the stands and crowd those tables and cry and just cry and cry. And that was a turning point for me that I saw that it wasn't just Patty and I crying and grieving for Michelle. It wasn't just our immediate families, uh, our, our close friends. There, there was an entire community that was feeling a loss. And I, could start, I started to see that that night. So I was there that night as well. Um, we had had cursory discussions, and I can know, I can speak personally to you know feeling grief and loss and being in that room what i observed and i don't know if you knew all these people but the flood of people that you talked about students on the floor which probably took 30 to 40 minutes for them to get through but what i would see is after the students wrote their little note and hug you. Yeah, they came up and hugged me. Um, I had some um, sisters-in-law there, uh, brother-in-law there. Um, and yes, and many of the kids I knew um, from association with, um, with, and they did cry and they came. And I was told later that my shoulders were just soaked with tears of, of many of the kids. And I cried with them. I, and, and that's... Um, and as I hugged them, I it also dawned on me that they, well, I, I saw a couple things. I saw the kids needed to see each other cry because they needed to see it was okay to cry. And then they came to me and I, I, I felt the need to comfort them. Um... Just like a, if if things were were different, if Michelle 
lived and another child died. And Patty and I often talked about this what-if scenario. Um, we would be really concerned about Michelle's ability to get over that experience. And, um, and, we, and just so we've reached out to the kids that were there. Um, we uh, we uh, just last night, um, um, Joss was there um, at our house, and we talked probably for about three hours with him. Um, one of one of Mich Michelle's friends, and we're we're, we're concerned. You know, um, we're concerned about these kids, these kids that knew Michelle, these kids that were close to Michelle. Michelle traveled in many different circles. And she was like the, the center of a very large Venn diagram. And I think because of her personality and because of what she did, um, her death just touched so many people, um, parents, grandparents, and children. So when you see, you know, a lot of people, and I'm sure you feel this way too, feel helpless in a way um, that, that, this, what can we do? Um, so when you see the ribbons, um, you see other, other avenues that people feel like, gosh, we, what can we do to, to help the chalks? Yeah. Uh, how does that make you feel? Oh, I've, it, it makes me feel loved. Um, it makes me feel like, again, that, um, I'll never be able to pay people back, but I, you know, I'm, I'm committed to pay it forward. Um, in, in the beginning, there was, um, there was a, a good-hearted um, effort to do um, a, a meal train, and we had to cut it off because we were not ready for that. Um, and, for, and for several reasons. Uh, meal trains are wonderful. When Patty had cancer, um, it was set up and in, in measured uh, doses. Uh, it really helped us get through a, um, a rough time, especially when she was going through chemotherapy. But at the same time, people had this incredible need to do something. And we, um, and I, I credit my sister, uh, sister-in-law, Amy, Amy Sapsford. Um, she credits God. She, she got the idea of putting ribbons up. And what I really saw there was it got people involved in doing something really nice and really kind. When we saw the ribbons going up, I think um, the, the the day after her notice, we kind of took a drove drive around um, town. I think it was actually Thursday. The Thursday morning, we were we had to go out to St. Stephen's Cemetery and, and select uh, Michelle's grave. And I believe that was the first time that um, we we saw some ribbons up. Didn't see a lot. We didn't see any a lot until the, the weekend. Um, we heard that um, Michael, the Michael store in Newport were just in, being sold out uh, and that people in line were buying ribbons and sharing coupons. And, and when we would hear those stories, we felt really good. When we, as, as another, another avenue was Facebook. Um, this was one of the most positive aspects of Facebook. We would, we would, we would huddle around in uh, Patty's parents' house um, on the North end of town. And we would, we would have our phones and we wouldn't tell people what posts we just saw and we'd look at it. Um, sometimes we would go to different media sites and look at, um, 
the media uh, video clips. And we did feel good that there was there was a positive story going out. And we really appreciated that. Um, and that's what one of the things that prompted me to, to reach out to you and say, and we really appreciate um, your coverage. Um, we The pictures. Um, people were posting pictures of Michelle, and we loved that. Because we want Michelle to be remembered. And... We don't want to. Um, we don't want to run from the memories of her in order to dull the pain, and we are feeling pain in our grief, but we want to continue to remember her because uh, instead of forget her. So many people that are are speaking to Michelle. I I saw. I came across a couple of YouTube videos of that was posted by Aaron, which is Michelle's cousin. And um, I guess that occurred, you know, we'll talk about what that was. That was, um, instead of having a eulogy, um, we invited some of the teachers um, that knew Michelle um, and, and we invited them and they were, they were humbled to be asked to get, say a few words. And that was, um, that was at a, um, a reception after her funeral in the undercroft of, um, St. Catherine's church, um, called the crystal hall. And, uh, we didn't know what they were going to say. And, and we were, and Patty and I sat down and watched while, um, while they spoke from their prepared notes, but they spoke from the heart. Um, and they, Throughout these past four weeks, um, in addition to them, we asked people to um, send stories that they had of Michelle to um, her, a web. Or, I'm sorry, a um, an email address, michelle.chalk at fuse.net, and and I started compiling them for um, for Patty to read, and there was, in addition to these stories that the teachers told there was a theme that we start, I started reading from these emails. Um, it was about Michelle's kindness, um, that it was often a, a story of a girl or a boy who felt alone and isolated in our community and that Michelle invited them in. And it could have been an isolated incident for that person or a normal occurrence for that person. But Michelle represented to them an act of kindness. Um, one, one girl told a story about running late for dance class and how she was all anxious about that being late and being people looking at her as she scrambled. And as she approached the studio, Michelle looked up and gave her a smile. And that meant everything to her. And, and that's the kind of stories we're getting about Michelle. So, I, and that's that's a common denominator. I'm I'm trying to immerse myself in everything because she's touched. This story has touched me as well. Um, what I'd like to hear is, as her father, um, talk about who Michelle was. Um, above everything. She was the, the easiest daughter a, a father could have. 
she listened. Um, she, we, we, she was very busy. She was active. Um, I was the, the other night I was trying to think, you know, what made Michelle so special? And I, and I, I kind of look at, she, she had three qualities. Um, she was my second child. And, um, after, after my first child was a picky eater, I tried a little psychology on her and, at a very young age, I always called her my try new things girl. And, and so, and I meant it for dietary concerns, but it became so much for her. She wanted to do everything. And Patty and I often would talk that we're glad we only had one child doing that because she, she filled up our calendar. Oh, uh, if it, you know, if it wasn't lessons, it was rehearsals or tryouts or whatever. So I would say the first quality she had is that she had a, a, a attitude to put herself out there. The second quality that I really loved about her was she, whatever she, she tried, she gave it her all. Um, she excelled academically. I, at, we would be at uh, awards days, um, sixth grade, seventh grade awards days, eighth grade awards days. And her name would constantly get called up. Um, and we were proud of her, but I knew behind that it was long hours at the kitchen table with her and I, um, she was in advanced math. And so that meant she was taking math two years above what would be normal for that, that age. And I knew that math did not come easy to her like it did to her, her, her older brother. She was a visual learner. And so a lot of times with math, math concepts, her and I would sit at the kitchen table and we would try to draw, draw the concepts up. Um, when she would study for exams, she would want to go over it and over it and over it with, with Patty and I. And he, we, when we knew she had it, but she wanted to do that one more time. So she worked hard. Um, when it took time for plays and rehearsals, she worked hard. She wanted to be off script before anybody else. She wanted, she didn't want failure on herself, but other people to see her as a failure. So that was the second thing I really saw her that made her special. And the final thing that made her special was that she was kind. She was kind to everybody. She did, um, uh, Kathy Halloran was her confirmation sponsor this past spring. And Kathy was telling us a story about how they entered into a meeting room and, um, for, for the, 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 um, candidates and their sponsors. And there, she saw somebody, a child that was sitting alone and, she turns to Kathy and says, let's go sit with them until their sponsor arrives. And that's how Michelle was. Now, I can tell you, I can sit down with you and start rattling off names of kids that I know in this community that have those same three qualities. And I think that um, if, if any tragedy occurred to them, the community would also see them and their families and wrap their arms around them.
Um, but it happened to Michelle. So this is not the the first time that that the Chalk family has had the community wrap their arms around them. Um, talk about the that first encounter with with grief and tragedy and 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 how that relates. Well, um, in January of 2014, uh, Patty was diagnosed with breast cancer. And um, we were just stunned and shaken to our knees with the news. And once we, um, and we, once we got composure, um, we started making phone calls. And one of the phone calls were to, to Kathy Halloran, who has the Chicks and Chucks um, organization where it helps women with breast cancer. And we called um, my sister-in-law, Amy, and gave her the news. And we started calling people. Um, and Amy was very instrumental in getting the medical side going forward, um, getting the right team together for us. But as the news of Patty's cancer started going out, um, I was very surprised about how many people wanted to help us. Um, before we started recording, I, I mentioned to you that my favorite movie is It's a Wonderful Life. And I watch it at least once a year. And the end scene where George Bailey comes home and Mary Bailey has rallied the town to raise money for... Um, George's needs, I cry. I cry like a little baby, um, especially when um, the telegram comes that Sam Wainwright is, uh, basically says, whatever you need, George, $25,000, here it is. But that's what the community did for us um, back when back when Patty had breast cancer. And it wasn't, it wasn't just like the church, St. Catherine's. It was... The people at Johnson Elementary, it was the people at the middle school. It was um, people that knew Patty from uh, long ago. Um, It was many circles of friends, people people in my fraternity uh, from NKU. It was many circles of friends that basically were telling us, um, we're sorry. We're sorry this had to happen to you. We're here for you. And um, let us know what 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 we can do to help. You had mentioned um, when you watched that movie, uh, you would always preferred. You you said you wish you would you would be been Sam and, and yeah. not George. Um, one of the reasons that I think when you reached out to me is I wanted this to be about you. I don't want it to be about me. But I think you had mentioned you you wanted to make this thing be helpful for, for others as well. So talk about accepting help. That's, that's hard. Accepting. Um, I, I grew up in a family where, um, favors were expected to be in return. Um, the most common way that a favor was asked by somebody else would, would be with the phrase, Hey, do you remember when I did this for you? So there was almost a reluctant, there's almost, you grow up with a, a sense of wanting to be independent. 
that if you can't do for yourself, you do without. But when Patty got cancer, um, it was, it, it was um, really that I could not do that anymore. I needed people to drive my kids around while I take care of Patty. Take care of Patty. I needed people to help feed my kids while I took care of Patty. Um, Michelle had to grow up really fast during that time period as well. Um, Patty, right now, um, will often tell people about how during that time, Michelle was there by her side frequently. Um, and this is while um, Michelle was in school. She was in fifth grade and she just got um, a part in the high school musical for Sound of Music. And Patty um, was so proud of her. And But at the same time, Michelle was pushing herself um, so that she could also take care of Patty. So. So this is a situation that, that doesn't have a playbook. Yeah. Um, when you, how do you hear the news first? That's, that's something I really wanted to share um, because I asked people also how they heard the news. And there are some that knew within hours um, because of kids and cell phones and, tech, and, and technology. Um, I had just gotten home from work. And um, I often do like short order cooking for the kids. And so I, I made something for Robert and Thomas and cleaned the kitchen, went upstairs. Patty was already in bed. Patty gets fatigued late at night. And um, I think it's a residual effect of, of her cancer and her chemotherapy. So she's already laying in bed and, I, and she tells me that um, Michelle's at a friend's house. And I said, where? And she tells me. And that I said, okay, and I'll be, I, I'm expecting to pick her up. So I lay down next to Patty and I had the cell phone on my chest and, and I don't, I don't, I can't remember what we were doing, but maybe she, Patty was looking at her phone and I might've been watching TV. I don't know. But, um, a little while later, Robert comes into our bedroom and says, there are two police officers at the door. And I found it strange and. I didn't know what what it could be. Patty made the immediate connection that Michelle's not in the house. So we're wondering. And our first hope is maybe she got into trouble. And they need us as parents to, to have her be released to us. Now, that's not within character of Michelle, but that's our hope. I go down to the kitchen door and there's a, a detective and a uniformed officer and I ask him to come in and they, um, they asked if we have any kids in the house. And I said, yeah, I've got two. And he says, can you have them step outside? And that's not good. So I asked Robert to step outside with the uniformed officer and Thomas is up in his bedroom watching some streaming videos. And I go up and, tell Thomas that he needs to go downstairs and go outside with the, with the police officer. And then um, the detective asked also to have Patty come down so he can talk to us. And I go upstairs into Pat in the bedroom with where Patty is um, throwing some clothes on. And she is also frantically trying to dial Michelle's phone. 
and there's no answer. And I said, Patty, you need to come downstairs. Um, the detective wants to talk to us. And our eyes meet, and I said, I think it's about Michelle. So we go downstairs together, and the detective's in the living room. And Patty sits down on the couch, and I look at the detective, and I said, it's about Michelle, isn't it? And he nods his head, and he says, this is the hardest part of my job. And he says, Michelle got hit by a tree. Hit her on the head by a tree. Tree fell on her. And she didn't make it. The next thing I heard was Patty wailing, no, not my baby. And at that moment, um, something, something kicked in that I saw my wife um, hurting and I kneeled down beside her, grabbed her hands and the logic part of my brain kicked in and it's like, Patty, this is real, this is happening and we need to go see her. And um, Patty started to get physically ill, um, and she went to the bathroom. And I also started to think that Robert and Thomas don't know yet. And I started to think, well, and I had to make a, an immediate decision. And, and um, when Patty and I did exit the kitchen out the door, I had to tell Robert and Thomas and prepare them. I basically repeated back to them what I had heard from the detective, that Michelle got hit by a tree and she didn't make it. And we're going to the hospital right now to go see her. And so we all loaded up into the detective's car and we took a very slow ride through, through town. And as we're going up the steep driveway to um, St. Elizabeth Fort Thomas, there was this last hope in my, this last hope that maybe there was mistaken identity. Maybe there was something, something wrong. And I feel guilty even saying it now because I knew some child was going to be there. But there was still that last hope as we pulled up. And I had called, um, once again, I had called my sister-in-law, Amy, to give her the bad news ahead of time. And she, she was there to greet us at the emergency room door. And we go through the side entrance um, that the emergency crews go through. And the first two people I saw was a... Uh, a firefighter friend, Chris Russ, and a nurse friend, um, Linnea Fetcher. And they both looked like they'd been crying for hours. And I knew it wasn't a mistake because they know Michelle. And then I saw the coroner, uh, Dr. Mark, off to the side. And I knew this was real. 
that this was the, that this was real. And after a brief conversation down the hallway, they showed us the room that Michelle was in. And we entered. And the first thing I did is I, I touched her forearm. Um, Michelle had eczema. Uh, and she always liked me putting um, the, the cream and the lotion on her arm because she could have done it herself. But she liked my calloused hands rubbing over the eczema and it gave her relief. And I touched her arm and it was still warm. And I looked at her head and they had, they had towels around it. And, but you could tell that from the blow to the head that there was damage done. Um, and we cried and we cried and we cried. And, and as the, as the minutes and the hours went on, we were joined by family and by clergy. And we had to make phone calls to other. I had to reach out to my side of the family and um, had trouble getting a hold of them. Eventually did. And uh, I can remember again getting a call from um, Kathy Halloran. She had heard she had heard through her, her own network of friends and Kathy who reached out to us um, to help Patty through her um, Kathy who was the first one who helped us get started on uh, Patty's treatment for um, breast cancer and Kathy who was Michelle's confirmation sponsor she rushed to the hospital to be there with us um, Michelle's dance teacher, Sonia, also reached to be there with us. And um, soon we had a large group of people at the hospital. And we occupied another room. There were, there were aunts and uncles and cousins and spouses. Um, a cousin from Lexington rushed up here to be with us. So, and that was the start. So it's obviously... It's okay. Shock, stunned. Um, we've transitioned a little bit from that to trying to celebrate. Yeah. So, live free like Michelle. Yeah. Um, I see on your wrist, you've got three uh, bracelets, um, a pink one that says hashtag live free like Michelle, a yellow one that says live free Mike like Michelle. What's what's the one in the middle? The one in the middle is um, Patty sells online jewelry for, through an organization called Keep. Um, it's a subsidiary of Stella and Dot, and she sells it mostly through Facebook um, hosting parties, but... Um, she bought me a bracelet and it has, 
they had just one um, inkit on it that just had faith and then um, the number 143, which is a shortcut for Michelle, for Patty and I uh, for I Love You, uh, the, the number of the letters in I, I Love You. Um, but when Michelle died, um, I asked her to get me some more to put on this, brand, this band. Um, and the first one is the is a rose gold color that has the date of her birth, um, 6-16-2002. And then the other inkit with a rose gold band was um, the date of her death, August 1st, um, 2017. And in between is an anchor, and an anchor uh, is a sign of hope, um, as a sailor's hope. That it would be that their boat would be safe. It also can be a sign of faith because uh, the anchor makes a cross, and for some it has also been a sign of love because on, at the end of the anchors the the spades look like a heart. So for some an anchor is um, the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. So one of the things that we had talked about was when this tragedy happened you were able to go to different circles of friends yeah. and tell them what happened, um, tell them what the Chalk family needed at that point, um, which might have just been support, might have just been love, might have been food originally. Um, now you have this medium um, yeah. and, and this platform how, what do you say to, to people now that, that, that feel for you, that grieve with you, um, about what's going on? Um, the first thing I got to say is, um, uh, thank you. Um, uh, Patty and I are truly humbled. Um, we would get, we've, we've got at the home, um, a two foot stack of sympathy cards. And I, and I had just started going through them yesterday. Um, we have um, received information. When, when we put the uh, obit in, we asked for donations to Kathy Halloran's Chicks and Chucks, as well as to um, um, the uh, Northern Kentucky Hates Heroin. And one of the reasons why we did that, um, because as, as I mentioned before, Kathy has been very kind to us and as, and Patty's breast cancer, um, is very much a part of, um, our active lives as well as, as Patty continues to get treatment and, um, and monitor. A year ago on the 9th, August 19th, um, Michelle's cousin, my nephew, uh, Jacob um, died of a heroin overdose. And um, as I see the political football of the opiate crisis um, being debated, it reminds me a lot of the AIDS issues in the 80s, having grown up in the 80s. Um, and back then there was a something that was said, if you don't know somebody that has AIDS, you will. And I believe the same thing is going to be said of this, um, this time. If you don't know somebody who died of an overdose or has an addiction, you will. 
Um, it's just inevitable. It's just numbers. Um, but after the, after the obit went in, um, Patty and I started talking about keeping Michelle's memory alive. And we didn't know how that was going to be done. And we started talking about a, um, a scholarship fund. And I reached out to a friend of mine um, at Fifth Third Bank, um, Kim Halbar. And she said, the first thing's going to be easy. Just we're going to we'll just set up a memorial fund and we'll, let, we'll get the word out and that people can go to any Fifth Third branch and make a deposit into the uh, Michelle Chalk Memorial Fund. And that response has been overwhelming, uh, overwhelmingly positive. Um, I also reached out to a friend of mine who was a lawyer at Graydon Head Law Firm, um, Jeff Rosensteel. And I asked him, what's our next step on this? Um, is it, do we get incorporated as a nonprofit and get an IRS ID number? He said, well, he talked to his um, law partner, um, Kent Wellington, who, who operates a foundation uh, the Karen Wellington Foundation, who gives away trips um, to people with um, breast cancer. Sometimes they give away some spas or dinners or nights out. Um, and he said that the next step is going to be like a managed fund. And so he's doing some um, research into that for us. Um, and I had I had set up the idea that Michelle's graduating class would be the first ones that we would give a scholarship out to. Patty corrected me and she said, no, she wants to do it right away. Um, so we're, we're looking towards that. Um, um, that's in, in, in the whole idea is we want to keep Michelle's memory alive. Um, we, it's, we, look forward to standing on senior nights and presenting um, a, a monetary donation or monetary grant to a, a worthy recipient. Um, in the beginning when we said we were grieving, um, there was no answer to the question what can you do for us? There was there was just no answer. Uh, Patty and I had no appetite. So food as food was coming into Patty's parents' home, we just could not eat. It was everything we had to, we could do just to just to drink water uh, to, to keep our body functioning. Um, but we, in that early stages, you just have no appetite. Um, and I understand. I understand the the, the nature of, of um, when my my own father was in hospice. Um, somebody had brought in a a um like a fruit basket and that's that was like a more of a different we were more on a watch for his death than than grieving his loss and um it was different it was much different um but anyway um so what can they do for us well like i said I, if you've done something for us i i say thank you if you want to do something for us there are many avenues um from Michelle's Memorial Fund for a scholarship to uh, Chicks and Chucks to Northern Kentucky Hates Heroin. Um, but I, 
some, we've, we bought over uh, 600 of these yellow bracelets um, and we were passing them out and Patty just bought another order um, and we're giving to them just for free. Uh, we're not asking for anything for them because we just want Michelle to be remembered. Um, and we use the hashtag because when you search the hashtag on Facebook, it will bring you up stuff about Michelle. Um, we go, Patty's gone to the cemetery almost every day, not every day, but almost every day. And there's been evidence that there are other people that are going to our grave as well. And, um, we're soon going to be going to, um, to Roth monuments to select a, a headstone for her. And we're, we're going to begin that process. So how, how is the chalk family right now? Um, that's a great question. Um, and I don't mean to be, um, over dramatic. Um, I think for Patty and I, we're living every, every parent's worst nightmare. Um, when we, when Patty and I were young, we probably heard from our parents many times about, you know, calling, let us know where you're at, let us know where you're going to come home. And we probably were not as good about doing that. And, you know, we might've had our parents waiting up for us when we walked in the door and we would have seen their look of anger and concern and relief. Um, Patty and I lived every parent's worst nightmare. There was nothing we would have done differently, though. Um, she loved being with her friends, and there would, it would for us to say, "No, don't go there," or that activity is dangerous. That's not, there was nothing. I mean, it was an accident, and um, there are times when I. Um, I can only speak for myself on, on this emotional side. There are times when I feel the acceptance of, oh, okay, there is who we were on July 31st, and there are who we are on August 2nd. And this is a new reality for us. Um, and I can feel that acceptance. But then something will happen. And I'll just miss her. And I'll just absolutely miss her. I'll miss her smile. I'll miss the, the ways we would talk um, in the car rides. Um, I, would, I, would, I would talk to her about, you know, about boys. And I would tell, you know, I wanted her to be the most prepared, mature girl that um, around. And that she, not to put up with nonsense. Um, I also wanted her to be kind. Um, we would talk, I can remember, uh, picking her up from dance that Monday night, uh, on, on the 31st, July 31st. And we talked the ride home and she was, we would, we talked about the week ahead and she had dance planned every night that week, except for Tuesday night. And she was going to make that opportunity to, to be with her friends um, she asked if she could bring some two liters from the pantry over and some DVDs from our, 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 our library. And I said, sure, you know, just bring them back. And, um, and I was happy for her that she, that she had something planned. Um, but how are we, um, 
I, we're still going through grieving. Uh, we had uh, over the house last week, um, Dave and Barb Hagedorn. They lost their um, their 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 child Philip at the age of five and, and back in eighty six. And Dave, um, Dave and Barb said, you know, if you want somebody to talk to, we can talk to you. And it was good. It was a good conversation. Um, Dave shared with us that our pain is tied to memories and the pain's not going to go away as long as we remember her and we're not willing to forget her. So we're going to live with the pain. He also, um, talked about um, how you feel guilty whenever you ex laugh or tell a joke or experience joy because she's not there. And with time, we're going to feel less guilty about that. He um, talked about a recent vacation where he saw his, his kids and his grandkids were all there. He said he said for years, and I and maybe even still does that whenever they would go someplace, he would write the letter P in the sand for Philip that he was bringing Philip with him, and I appreciate that because that that gives me the go ahead to do you know stuff like that for Michelle. But he also get you know it also gives me a sense that there will be joy, and we're going to have family events coming up. Um, a niece Maggie's going to get married in, in October, and we're going to miss Michelle. But it's also a joyous occasion, and we got to remember that. There's going to be Thanksgiving and Christmas, and there's going to be a whole year of firsts. And um, it's going to hurt, and we're going to miss her. But it's also going to be okay. Um, Patty had a triggering moment, and, and I don't say this to suppress anybody's activity. Um, we love this community, and we love, um, we love the kids in this community. Um, but we started seeing, like, girls in the freshman class being asked at homecoming. And... It triggers, you know, and and not again, not to not to ask anybody's. People have to live their lives, and we're going to be sad that Michelle's missing out. Um, but we also have to remember that um, Michelle would not want anybody else to be sad. Um, and our faith, uh, we're we're Catholic, and. Um, we we believe um, in an afterlife. We believe in heaven. And Patty and I have been reading um, recently a lot of near death experience books. Um, and I was I was surprised in one of them that back in the seventies um, that there was a a scientific study being that was applied to it with even with the control group. But um, we found some comfort in these. And that, that bolster our faith. And we believe that Michelle is in heaven. And we believe that 
I believe that she is um, a saint in heaven right now. And when I go out to her in the cemetery, I'll talk to her. And I'll ask her to pray for us. And I think that helps. This idea that um, Michelle's life has not ceased. It, it's just gone on to another level. Well, as, as somebody that can has the ability from our platform to be able to, to take the temperature of a community. Um, I feel like I can say with some confidence that, that everybody in the city is, is thinking of you and your family. And, um, this is one of the worst things that I've ever had to cover. Um, but I, I can say personally, looking at your strength um, and how the community has wrapped their arms around you has given me hope. And um, I think the, the, the hashtag and, and the ways that, that you are honoring and Michelle's memory, I think, is, is heartwarming. Um, there's not a whole lot that we can say anymore. This is, this is at, at some point your personal journey, um, but I don't want, and I don't think you think this, but the community is here at, at your disposal as well. Yeah. Keith, anything else? No, I just want to thank you, Mark. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, again, I think you've uh, approached this delicate situation with um, respect. Um, I've, uh, I've, uh, I reached out to you. Uh, I also reached out to Trisha Mackey. I gave, I reached out to Trish cause we, we were in high school together. I knew her as Trisha Uline. Um, and so I, I, I appreciated the way, um, the, her station, um, Fox 19 has done, um, their coverage as well. Um, I, th I think the other stations have done a good job as well. The local, the local news has done a good job. Um, we really, really appreciate it. Um, it's a delicate situation. The community has been great. Um, the when it's it's been tearful because it's been we've been humbled by the amount of love and support. Um, and I I would rather cry with friends than cry alone. And that um, that really helps us. Um, so if in a as I said. Um, in a Facebook post some time ago, if I hug you an awkwardly long time, it's because I'm hugging Michelle. And, um, and so I, and many people have let me hug them closely. So I appreciate that. Here are some more words from others that knew her well. First, Lori Maines. Radiance, vibrant, talented, theatrical, energetic, fun-loving, passionate, caring, kind, encouraging, helpful, academic achiever, mentor, leader, gracious, compassionate, selfless. So many admirable qualities for just one young person to possess, but that was our Michelle. One of her teachers at Dance Express, Tara Jurgens. Michelle was all in in everything she did, not just performing, but with her friendships and with her kindness toward others. 
always reach out to anyone and find the good in everyone. She didn't limit herself to a circle of friends or the girls that people thought were maybe the most popular. Her kindness was just 100%. And she was the same way as the love of her family. We all could tell she was Dan's little girl. And she and her mom were so close, especially when you were sick. Rick Rafferty, a Highlands teacher who supervised Michelle during student council. Michelle made me want to be a better man. I aspire to be like Michelle Chalk. She was joy and light. Highlands assistant principal and former assistant principal at Highlands Middle School, Lee Gatons. I've said many times over the course of this past week that there are moments in life that are clearly defined as a turning point. One where you have a certain perspective before and another afterwards. Michelle's passing is one of those moments. Our lives have been forever altered, but it is not lost on me and hopefully will not be lost on all of you that this is actually a blessing. As selfish as it feels as I write this, I don't think I would have realized what it truly means to live free like Michelle. Michelle brought more joy to people in her short life than most do in their 80 or 90 years. And it makes me stop and wonder, how is this possible? The only answer I come up with has quite literally stopped me in my tracks quite a few times over the past week. Michelle is a gift from God. There is no truer sentence I have ever uttered in my life. Keith Chalk and I talk after we get done recording the podcast. He talks about where Live Free Like Michelle came from. He wanted to be clear. Live Free Like Michelle did not mean go out and do whatever you want. It meant to live life right, courageous, true. Keith said he wanted to live like Michelle did because in her death she became a role model to him. He saw how the community was affected, and that started to evolve into the hashtag live free like Michelle. So, what can you do now for the Chalk family? Well, there are a few things that you can do. Go into any 5th, 3rd bank branch location and make a donation to the Michelle Chalk Memorial Fund. That fund will help provide scholarships to Highland students. Keith said he wanted to have that done in four years when Michelle's senior class would be graduating. Patty wanted to do it right away. So, it'll be done right away. You can also donate to Chicks and Chucks. That's a breast cancer awareness foundation founded by Kathy Hollering. That she was mentioned during the podcast numerous times and was... Most recently, Michelle Chalk's sponsor during her confirmation process at St. Catherine Church. You can also donate to Northern Kentucky Hates Heroin, which also has a tie to Michelle Chalk's family. The meal train is up and going again. If you just search the hashtag live free like Michelle, most of these links should populate into your news feed. And finally, To tie a ribbon on this podcast, you can quite literally tie a ribbon around a tree, a post, or a fence in memory of Michelle. Because as Keith Chalk has said, 
As painful as this incident has been, it's better to live with her memories than to dull the pain. This has been Mark Collier.